Hi and welcome to Revive Gaul. This podcast features Angie Lendon. We hope you're encouraged by these words. How are we all doing this morning? That's one then. <laughs> Yay! Good stuff. Um, wasn't that a lovely time of worship? Amazing. Um, which is great because I, I felt this morning that I wanted to um, share with you my heart on the transforming power of worship. I, it occurred to me that I've been coming to Ghoul for a number of years and leading worship, um, and I've never really had the opportunity to share my heart about worship, about why I do some of the things that I do and why I'm passionate about the prophetic and stuff in worship. And so I just um, I thought this morning would be a really lovely opportunity just to share some of my heart, but also what I feel God is saying to us as a church about worship. It is one of the really strong foundations that we want to establish in, in, in Revive Ghoul. And, it, you know, we're on a journey to establish that, but there are always higher places and deeper places to go out there in God. So I want to share um, with you, first of all, a little bit about my story, because I, I don't know, some of you will know, some of you won't, but um, I got saved um, a good number of years ago, I've lost count now, um, when Nigel and I were preparing to be married and we went to a church and they were very good. They said to us, we'll marry you, but we just ask you to come to a few services so that you kind of get a feel for the place and it's not alien to you, you know, when you walk down the aisle kind of thing. And so we went along and we loved it. We really loved the people. They made us feel really welcome. It was a very traditional Presbyterian church. And we went along and we got involved. We did the kind of like the new joiners course. And at the end of it, you know, they told us everything about Jesus and what he had done. And at the end, they get you to sign a, a statement of faith saying that you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. It's kind of like saying the sinner's prayer, but you write it down. And so we, we did that, and we got involved. I sang in the choir. We did youth work. We were involved in various other groups. And, but there was just something missing for me. And sometimes if I didn't really fancy going to church, I wouldn't go. You know, it's like if it wasn't convenient, I wouldn't always go. Um, and that went on for a number of years. And then we, this was in, in America. Then we moved back to England and we found this lovely little Church of England church that was charismatic. You know, they raised their hands and stuff. And I was like, that's weird. And, um, and they had a music group. We didn't play the organ. They had guitars and stuff. And I would find myself, like, during the time of worship, I would feel a little bit overwhelmed and a bit tearful. And I didn't really understand what was going on. And uh, one day she preached on the Holy Spirit. It was a, a woman vicar and she preached on the Holy Spirit. And she said, I want to give you the opportunity to come forward to receive the Holy Spirit. And so before I knew what was happening, I was out of my seat, I shot down there, kneeled down at the altar and burst into floods of tears. Now that's not unusual for me. Um, I'm one of these people that can actually watch an advert and can really cry without even realizing what the advert's for. You know, when the advert's finished, I'm like, I have no idea what they just tried to sell me. I just cry at the advert. And so I um, had this encounter, if you like, and uh, I met Holy Spirit. But I can't honestly say that I was filled with him. Fast forward a few years later, we had moved to Hull or to, to um, the Wolds, and we were in part of a small fellowship in Market Wheaton. And um, we were through in Hull, I think it was, I can't remember. But anyway, there was, there was a meeting, and, and, then I, and I met the Holy Spirit. 
and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's when it all changed. You know, like everything changed. The knowledge of God, the love of God for me went from my head right into my heart. And you could not keep me away from church. And there was an incident, do you remember? It was one morning and one of the kids or me, I can't remember, had spilt a glass of milk on this new carpet that we had right before church. And I said, and it's funny, you know, it's like you you get filled with the spirit of God, but your life is a journey and you're not miraculously transformed, you know, but things change gradually. And I remember saying to Nigel, I can't go to church, I've got to sort this carpet out. If I leave it, when I come back, it's going to smell of sour milk. Like how long I was going to be gone for, I don't know. And then I remember thinking, what the heck? Stuff the carpet, I'm going to church. And you said to me, didn't you? you said, I remember Nigel said to me, you know what? I knew something had changed in you at that point because you would have used that as an excuse not to go to church, but nothing was going to keep you away from church. And everything just changed for me. And that is when God really called me into worship ministry, you know, having had my background in performance and singing for people. And then God called me back into, uh, called me back to sing, but for him this time and not, not, for, not for the world as it were. But, you know, I had no education. I left school with one GCSE. I was the class clown. I, you know, I just... I, I, had, I, had, if I was one of those people that they would have said won't do anything with their life, you know, in the natural. But when God gets a hold of you and he changes your life, he, he unlocks gifts in you that, that GCSEs can't unlock in you, you know. He releases things in you that, that no kind of qualification or exam or anything can 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 do. And so nobody really is, is more surprised than I am um, at what God has, has allowed me to do and, 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 and blessed me to do. So, so I, I, looking at this, um, this whole thing of um, transformational worship, I thought, well, what does transformation mean? Like it's a word that we use, but do we ever actually sit down and look at what it means? So of course I went to the Google dictionary, as you do, And it says, it's a marked change in form, in nature, or appearance. That's what transformation is. And Romans 12, verse 1 through 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing, the transformation of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then we move on to the word power. What does that mean? It's a word we use in church all the time. A supernatural being a deity or a force. It's the ability or the capacity to do something or act in a particular way. It's an authority that is given or delegated to a person or body. That's us. When we are transformed, we can go on to transform. It's a sacrifice. Transformational worship changes everything, but mostly it changes us. And, you know, I love that um, in Revelation where it says that the elders in heaven threw down their crowns as they encountered Jesus. 
it's like you, got, you just have to get creative now. I went in the kitchen to try and find a, a, a prop. This is the closest I could come to a crown. It's a bit more like a bowler hat, really. I feel like I should be doing a song and dance, you know. But, um, but just imagine that this is a crown. You're one of the elders, and you're beholding Jesus. And it's as if, like, every time they look at him, it's the first time that they have ever seen him. And they don't just kind of, like, take off their crowns and go. There you go, Jesus. It says that they throw down their crowns it's almost like take that because I don't want it anymore I want to be so like you Jesus I don't want anything about me I just want to be about you it's such a powerful statement when you actually really read it and you really think about it it says they cast down they throw down their crowns they were passionate and intentional in their response to Jesus Sorry for all the grandchildren um, little stuff this morning, but, you know, we, we love our little girls. And I love that when, um, when mummy and daddy come, we look after them. And uh, particularly Lily, who really sort of struggles a bit more with being separated from mummy and daddy. And uh, when Tim comes to pick her up, it doesn't matter what she's doing. It's like everything goes and it's just daddy. Daddy walks in the door and she's off, isn't she? And it's like that. It's like she's only got eyes, you know, will do for a time. But as soon as mummy or daddy come, that is it. She's got eyes for no one but them. And that's what the elders were like, passionately, as I say, intentional in their response. So what does it change? It does change us. But how does it change us? Well, it tells us that in 1 Corinthians 3.18, that our faces are no longer covered. And as we look at the glory of the Lord, we're changed We reflect more and more of his image by the power of the spirit that is working in our hearts. It changes us because it makes us bold. You know, when we're in worship and we encounter Jesus, it's supposed to do something. We're supposed to bring him our worship and our adoration. But in return, he he pours out on us. He empowers us. And it makes us bold. I love the story of Moses at the burning bush. You know, he, he, he starts that encounter and he can't really speak. And yet, later on in the story, in the narrative, we know that he ends up speaking boldly to, to Pharaoh. It says that he looked, the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. Can you imagine Moses standing there, right? And he's thinking back as God's speaking to him. He's thinking about Egypt and, he's, and God's saying to him, I've seen the, aggression of my, the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their groaning and I've come down to set them free. And Moses is going, brilliant. Fantastic, God's going to do something. And then, Moses, and then God says, come on then, I'll send you back to Egypt. And he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Well, maybe that's your response to God today. Maybe that's your response on your life. Who am I, God? Who am I to follow this call? Well, I want to say to you today, who are you not to follow this call on your life? 
The narrative goes from Moses saying, who am I to God? To God saying, tell them I am. Am I to I am? Mary encountered God. She trusted God and she continued to worship God in the midst of the difficult season of convincing Joseph and those around her that she wasn't who they thought she was. You know, we read that story in Advent and at Christmas. And it's a lovely story, isn't it? The angel comes to Mary and he says, you're going to have a child and it's going to be called Jesus and it's going to be the Son of God and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and it's all lovely. But do we ever stop to think about what that really means for her? What that would have meant for her in that time? How she could have been shunned by all of her family, all of her community? If that was me, I'd be freaking out. I would be freaking out. I'd be like, what am I going to do? Mary's response, let it be to me as you have said. And then she goes on further down the road to write this song. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Wow, what a response. She didn't see what everybody else saw. She didn't name herself or shame herself. She just knew her God. And she was able to say, from now on, all generations are going to call me blessed. How how countercultural is that? Because in the natural, nobody was calling her blessed. They were calling her lots of other things, I'm sure. But she knew That if God said it, it was going to be. What is our response to adversity? Second thing that worship does is it makes us stronger by building our faith. You know, have you ever been in a meeting or a worship time where you arrive and you're really stressed? Or you might be feeling down or you might be feeling a wreck or even unworthy. Maybe you've had a rubbish week and, you know, you feel like you've failed. And so you come in and you think, you know... How can I be here? Or life's just difficult. It reminds me of Paul and Silas in the jail. You know, it makes us stronger. And they knew that if they could just worship Jesus, things would change. And then going back to the boldness, of course, they were bold from that encounter because they didn't run away when the, when the prison doors you know, flew open. They stayed, didn't they? And they ministered to the guard. So we have to take our eyes off of us and put them solely onto him and see from a different perspective as we worship. I remember um, I used to clean the church at Reviving Hall. And uh, I remember being there one morning and a lady came in that worked in one of the um, charities in the office. And she looked terrible. She looked grey. And I said to her, are you okay? And she's like, no, I'm really not well at all. I'm in so much pain. And I'm like, well, why are you here? She said, because the Lord said to me that if I could get to church, that you would pray for me and he would heal me. And I was like, oh, that's good. And, and I'm trying to, like, on the outside, you know, be this woman of God, you know, that she's, that she's sort of saying about. And inside, I'm like, Jesus, help me got to help me Jesus so I started to pray for her and nothing was happening and I'm like oh pressure 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 and then I just heard the Holy Spirit 
just worship. Just worship me as the healer. And so I just started to pray and I started to worship and just declare the healing power of God over her and not even like saying it to her, but I'm just praying. I'm saying, God, you are the healer. We worship you. Mighty God, you are the healer. There is nothing that you cannot do. You are able to do immeasurably more than we could ever hope or imagine. We worship you, healer of bodies, of nations and and all of stuff like that. And all of a sudden she just looked up at me and her whole face had changed. She wasn't gray anymore. She was glowing and she just said to me, it's gone. I'm healed. And I learned something that day. I learned something that day because, you know, when we worship God, we fix our eyes on him and we worship him as to who he is and and the different attributes of who he is. He comes and he shows us. Worship brings breakthrough. The Bible says in Psalm 22 verse 3 that he actually lives and dwells in our praises. This is the mystery and the miracle of the breakthrough power and presence of God when we worship. When we worship, we affirm the truth of God's word and it's being rooted deep in our hearts and then it it takes us in turn, it leads us to a place of peace. That's why it's really important that the songs that we sing are full of the word of God. And that our theology is really, really strong in the words that we sing because we are making those declarations. And so it's so important to to make sure that we fix our eyes on him. I loved what you brought, that last song that you brought this morning. It started out about us, but then it just went from being about us to being about him. It acknowledged, it's like worshiping spirit and truth. The truth was that, you know, the storms are happening, this is happening, that's happening. But then it was like, but God is able to do. And we went on to lift up his name, didn't we? Brilliant. Worship brings freedom. The story of the woman of the issue of blood. Her very act of trust was an act of worship. We know the story, don't we, where she, she you know, she was ostracized from society because she was constantly bleeding and that was a big no-no you know she couldn't be around people and again just like Mary you know she took that risk she's like I don't care she got to that point where she said I don't care I just have to get to Jesus if I can get to Jesus if I can touch Jesus I know that I'm going to be healed do we come like that into our worship meetings Do we come with that expectation? Do I come with that expectation? Do I walk through those doors and go, if I could just encounter Jesus this morning? You know, not because I want anything or I need anything, but do I, could I just encounter him in such a way that my life is going to be radically changed, that I'm going to leave this place, I'm going to be bold, I'm going to be confident, I'm going to be full of faith? Do I? Do we? There's always room for improvement, isn't there? Mary washed the Saviour's feet with her tears and her hair. You know, when we're in a real sense of God's presence and he's really moving and I'm really moved to tears, I often say to God, Lord, if I had long hair, I would wash your feet with my hair. And that's, there are times when I, there aren't many times, or if, for some people, if I had any hair, I would wash your feet with my hair. <laughs> There you go, you see. (laughs) But you know, she did. That was a radical thing to do in a room full of people, you know, 
to and a woman to get down on her knees and to wash his feet with her tears and her hair. It was a huge act of worship. It was such an intimate thing to do. But she was so overwhelmed in her worship for Jesus. She didn't care what the disciples or anybody else that was in that room. She didn't care what they thought about her. I don't know about you, but sometimes I care too much about what people think about me. When I first, you know, I said about that fellowship that we went to where they raised their hands, I was like, I'm not raising my hands. No way. That's just too embarrassing. I can't raise my hands. I bet God laughed when I said that. I bet all of heaven laughed when I said that. I bet it was like a big belly laugh in heaven. Because I stood there and I was like, I'll do that then. And then eventually it got a bit higher. And then it got a bit higher. And then it got a bit higher. And before I knew it, my, my hands were like, and the rest is history, as they say. But you know, when you come into the presence of God, it's like, we don't really need to be worrying about what people think about us. But you know something that can really hold us back in worship? As a worship leader, and I know there are a number of us in this room, um, I always find it amazing that we can sing the words on the screen and it's like really rousing and really loud and then we take the words off the screen and we have like a, a time of spontaneity and it goes really quiet. It's like... How great is our God! You know, because we worry about what people think about us. We worry about what we sound like. I want to tell you today, and some of you have heard me say this before, I really don't believe that God's ears are tuned in the same way that ours are. So if you're one of these people that you think you sing out of tune, it really doesn't matter. God doesn't care. He doesn't listen to the, to the way that, he doesn't hear it the same way that we do. There's a lady in Hull who's absolutely adorable, and um, she worships like anything. It's crazy, but she's the most tuneless person on the planet. She doesn't care. And I love her for that. I love the fact that she just doesn't care. She sings and she just gives her everything to God in worship. You know, and I think God just loves that too. Because as I say, I don't think he hears her, her tunelessness. He just sees her heart and he hears the overflow of her heart. You know, and so I want to encourage you. When you're in worship, don't worry about the person next to you. Raise the volume. We sing that song, I'll raise a hallelujah, and it says, sing a little louder, sing a little louder, sing a little louder, sing a little louder, and we sing it, but we never sing a bit louder. You know, as Jared will say, sometimes, you know, we might go, you know, we might just like, our body might get a bit louder, but we don't really sing a little bit louder. We just sing it. We just sing the words. There's a power when we move into that place of freedom where we can really release our sound and really release our song. You know, it says that the earth is groaning and waiting for the sons and daughters to be revealed. I want to say to you today that Ghoul is waiting and groaning for the sons and daughters of this house to be revealed. Ghoul is groaning and waiting for the sound of this house of worship to be revealed, to be released from this place. Because there is a DNA, there is a, um, a frequency that this house is wired to, just this place alone, not the parish church down the road, not anywhere else, but Revive Ghoul has a sound. And when we release that sound, the people around here are wired in the same way. 
And it's a bit like when you blow a whistle for a dog and it's a frequency. We, our natural ears, we can't hear it, but that dog can hear it and it comes straight away. It's like that. And they will hear that sound and that's when people, I really believe, will be drawn to us. People will come to the church and say, why am I here? I don't know why I'm here. I just want to be here. I just know that I want to be in this place. So it's so important that we release our worship, that we don't hold back. It's not about us. First and foremost, it's about him. But the outpouring of that then and the outworking is about what's around us and who is around us. So when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we realize that God has already begun to release the grip of fear, of insecurity, of being materialistic, of being unconfident, of being proud, all of those things, all of that baggage that we come with. It's not enough to say, well, just stop worrying. Don't worry about those things. Don't, don't be proud. Don't, don't sin. It's not enough. But it is effective to say to ourselves, let's just worship. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things on earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glorious grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. We heard that at the beginning of the year from Steve, didn't we? The very first thing that we heard at the beginning of the year. I want to reiterate that. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Fix your gaze upon him. Revelation 4 verse 1 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here. And I will show you what must take place after this. I don't know where you're at today. If you're struggling, and I know that some of us are, if you're struggling with health, if you're struggling with finances, whatever it is that you're challenged with today, I want you to know that God wants to show us the way out. He wants to show us the way forward and the way higher, that he is the only one with the answer to our question, our need and direction. So when we worship the invisible God is at work doing invisible and powerful things. We can't see it. When we were worshipping this morning, stuff was happening. Last Sunday when we were worshipping, and I said to you guys, you know, God says we need to just stay here. It would have been so easy to go on to the next song. But God was like, no, stay here, I'm doing something. And he did. It was deep. And that's where we want to be. And that's where he wants us to be. But there is a depth deeper than that to go. So the invisible God, as I say, is at work doing invisible and power things. We get realigned. We get refreshed. We get refueled. We find unspeakable joy and indescribable peace. We discover the breakthrough strength and power of God, which enables us to walk in the truth, to live in his presence and to see him fight our battles for us. It's how we can put the beauty of the gospel on display as we worship and we declare and we sing of his goodness like we did this morning. And we sing of what he's done. We sung about you are good. You are faithful. You know, when the cloud came in the temple, when the elders couldn't do anything, the priests couldn't do anything, they were just singing about the goodness of God. You are good and your love endures. You are good and your love endures. What did, what did um, God say to Moses? I'll cause my goodness to pass by. 
you know, show me your glory. And he said, I'll cause my goodness to pass you by. The goodness of God is the glory of God. And so when we're, when we're you know, we are um, worshipping God and we're asking God for his glory, he's going to show us his goodness. And so that's why they were just worshipping in the temple. Your goodness, your goodness, you're good, you're good, you're good. And God goes, right, I'm going to show you then. I'm going to show you how good I am. So the end of all worship leading is worship living. So that when we leave this place, we don't just go out the way that we came in. We go out bolder. We go out stronger. We go out full of faith. We go out in power. We go out with authority, knowing whose we are and what we're called to be. We go out with more freedom. We go out in strength. All of these things are going to flow from us as we're on fire from this transformational worship encounter. You in agreement? Is that what you want? Yeah? It also gives us compassion. We feel the heart of God and we can be moved to act. So let, his, let your life be a testimony to his love. When we leave this place and we're bold, expect God to use you from that encounter, from the transformational worship that we've encountered him in. Expect him to use you. Expect him to break your heart. You know, like we sing in that line of that song, break my heart for what breaks yours. And then we go out the door and we don't even give it a second thought. I'm guilty of that. You know, we do it, don't we? We sing the words. That line in that song, breathe on the bones and cause these lungs to sing. Wow. My goodness me. So I want us to get a little bit practical now. So we're all going to dance. No, just kidding. Nigel's going to lead us. <laughs> he does it all the time at home. <laughs> yeah, dreams and visions. Um, Nick, can you come back, please? So we kind of went short a little bit on the worship first because we wanted to come back. Um, there's a couple of things that I want us to do, okay? Because you remember I said about this lady that I, 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 I praised and worshipped over and declaring who God was? Well, I really would love us to, to do that. Um, over people in this place this morning that have a need. So this is, this, is, this is a time of possibly feeling vulnerable, but just know that this is family and we, we support each other. And what I'd really love for us to do is if, if you are in need this morning with your health, with anything at all, you don't have to say what it is, I'd love you to come, just stand actually, don't even need to come to the front, just, just stand and then the rest of us are just going to gather around you and we're going to worship over you. We're not going to lay hands on you, okay? We're not going to pray for you to be healed or for whatever it is you need. We're just going to worship God. We were worshiping this morning um, as we were praying at the beginning of the meeting. We pray, and then we started to worship. We just started, it just started to rise and we started to pray in tongues. And I've been struggling with my elbow um, 
I don't know if it's old age or whatever, but um, my it feel it's like as if I've knocked it, and it's been quite painful for quite a while. And um, and I just put, I thought I felt the Holy Spirit say, just put your hand on your elbow as you're worshiping. So I put my hand on my elbow, and I could feel it getting kind of warm. But I'm thinking, oh, it's probably just my hands are warm. And actually, when I tested it out, it's pretty much back to normal. You know, I was like, thank you, God. That's nice that you started with me. <laughs> So, you know, God is able. God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever hope or imagine. He is able. It's not just a song line. It's the word of God. That's what he says. I am able. I'm able to do it. So whatever you need this morning, would you just stand? Be bold. Be bold and stand. I do hope that you enjoyed today's teaching. For more information about our church services, conferences, full-time college and our products, visit www.revivechurch.co.uk. We'd love to hear from you if you've been encouraged in any way.